Hey there, and welcome to the Heart of a Mill Spouse podcast, where we focus on re-sparking your inner purpose using empowered action and personal growth tools. I'm Jayla Ray Ardeline, your host and late career Army Mill Spouse. I joined this lifestyle later in life and the learning curve was gigantic. Since the day I said yes to this relationship over five years ago, I've been collecting and curating personal growth tools to support you. So excited you've tuned in. Welcome to the Late Career Mill Spouse series. I coined this term because I wanted to find a way to recognize those spouses who don't have the typical lifestyle experience. For example, I met my husband when I was 25 and we were both on fully solidified career tracks already. Him as an 11 year infantry army officer and mine as a recent master's graduate in the creative nonfiction space brimming with excitement about the world of literary journals and publishing that I would actually never enter. Then bam, he dropped impending orders and how he had a big choice to make. Fort Leavenworth or Rome, Italy. Also, did I mention that he was divorced with a gaggle of kids? (laughs) Before I knew it, we were moving to Rome unmarried and I fell back into serving at restaurants, namely Applebee's, (laughs) quickly after the overseas journey ended. It took me years to find steady employment commensurate with my education level, and the fact that we moved every year for five years straight didn't help. Unfortunately, I'm not the only one with a similar tale. Many of us late career mill spouses had to make significant sacrifices to our careers, and some of us stepped into existing family structures as well. This means a ton of identity questioning as a result, and it often goes hand in hand with a complicated history with the military as well. In this series, you'll get to meet more spouses who fit this category. I believe there is power in sharing our struggles and naming why military life was difficult for us to adjust to. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Heart of a Mill Spouse podcast. Today I am joined by a very special guest, Samantha Burmeister. I would love to have you introduce yourself to everybody. Sure. My name is Samantha. I am a professional copywriter and in the context of this podcast, I am dating a man who's in the Air Force. Yes. And as a part of our late career mill spouse series, in this case, we were speaking to a significant other. And so we want to get into the differences between that type of relationship and a marital one, but also the fact that we are in a similar age group. And so we have some thoughts and some feelings. So many feelings. So many feelings about the military before meeting our service members and honestly never saw the fact that we would date anyone in this world coming, Um, which is kind of a through line with everybody that I've spoken to, but I feel like it's it's on a deeper level for us because we've we've been chatting for the past couple years about what that means to us. And yeah, so let's dive in. So first tell us how you met your service member and where in life you were at at the time that you guys met. Yeah, sure. So uh, we met in 2020, the fateful year. Um, I, uh, because I'm a copywriter, I can live and work wherever I want to be. So I was full-time nomading before we met. My mom was on a government contract in Germany. And when February-ish started to roll in, she encouraged me to come to Germany uh, because we just didn't know what the future looked like. So I was spending six months at my mom's house uh, near Ramstein. And once the base started to open up um, and my boredom was at like a peak, uh, I downloaded Hinge and <laughs> we, we met on Hinge in Germany. He was staged there for six months and I was there for six months and our time overlapped by just under two months, I think. Yeah. So this is, this is the fascinating part about your guys' story that I've always like want everybody to know is the fact that you met him while he was deployed. (laughs) Yeah. That is just so crazy to me, but obviously this was a different, um, a different, a little bit of a different style of deployment than you would typically 
typically think or what comes to mind. Um, but the fact that y'all met on a dating app, I mean, we did too. So it's, yeah. it's just kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Par for the course, for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, that's where we were physically, but like, I mean, as far as stages of our lives, like he at the time had been in for about 14 years. Like you said, he was on a deployment, which is just different and fascinating. It was um, interesting to see that as it played out. And then for myself, like I had a successful business that I was running and um, was in no mood to um, I hate the word settle down, but in the mood to settle down like that, <laughs> as far as being tethered to a place, especially a place that I wasn't necessarily choosing to live. Um, so that, yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting things to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. And location wise. So I know you said you were in Germany staying with your mom, but where did you actually live at that time? Because eventually y'all moved in together. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry. They lived together, but like, <laughs> where were you, where were you living at that time? And like, how did this, how did the relationship, I guess, progress after the deployment? So pre panorama, I was in Morocco. I was planning on visiting my mom and we were going to go to Italy. And then I was going to maybe try to summer in Italy. And then after that was thinking to move towards the Middle East and then had lots of question marks. I was actually thinking India for the winter. Um, so really my lifestyle was letting me live places for one to three to six months at a time. Um, post travel restrictions, um, I, so in Germany, I was there on a tourist visa. I had three months to be there. I asked for an extension and they gave it to me. And he and I actually met like a week after I got my extension. So, um, Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the universe convened in our favor for sure. Um, but then I didn't have a lot of places that I could go and I don't like to be cold. So as my six months in Germany came to an end, I moved to Mexico. Yeah. Okay. And then eventually like y'all live in California together now. So, right. Yeah. So he came back to his home base. Um, uh, I would think October of that year. So then I spent the next eight months or so going back and forth, actually about a year going back and forth between Mexico and California and then visiting family in California. Yeah. So it's, that part is really interesting to me because you were already leading a very nomadic lifestyle. So this concept of like moving, for example, like moving every few years or relocating or even like visiting or moving to places that you've never been, like this is all like comfortable, familiar ground, like familiar territory for you. Mm -hmm. But I think the other part that I want people to know in this conversation is that he's like stationary in mm -hmm. California. Like he's yeah. not really going anywhere. So he, yeah, he's the only person that I know who has been at the same base his entire career. And he's at 16 years now. Wow. At the same base. And it, it, there's, there's nothing in the work. I mean, of course he's deployed like I think 10 or 11 times. Um, but there's no talk of him not being at the same base for the rest of his career. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've sort of been put in this position now too, where like that has become your home. We're friends y'all. If you didn't know, hi, I'm just like, I'm just going to let everybody know. So clearly I know things. Um, but the fact that California has become your home base, but you still want to live a nomadic lifestyle to a degree, I would love for you to tell everybody how that has impacted your guys's relationship because it, I mean, can we think of military service members as nomadic as well? Like sometimes we can, but in his case, he's not going anywhere. Like he's deploying, but he's not really going anywhere. So it's already kind of atypical in that way. Um, but how, how has that impacted your guys' relationship to, for you to then, you know, need to pick up and go somewhere for a while? I think it's really beneficial that we met while I was traveling because there's no surprises. It's not like I was home visiting family and he was there and then wondered, you know, why. Um, we also met while he was deployed. So right off the bat, there is this standard of like, 
we are not in the same place. Like this is not home. We, this is not what my life is like at home in his case. And then for me, it was like, well, this is very much what my life is like is bouncing around weekend adventures, working from wherever. Um, but he also, it set the precedent of me being able to tell him like, I don't do the cold. I have seasonal depression. I don't want to be where it's cold. Um, and it doesn't necessarily snow where he's at, but it does get dark and cold and dreary for <laughs> months on end. So I was like, well, I'm staying in Mexico for as much of the winter as I possibly can. And then this year came around and I was like, well, I'm going to go to South Africa for a few months. And I mean, it certainly has its challenges, but they're challenges by choice. And I think that's something that we have with my lifestyle is that um, you know, he's been in relationships before while he was deployed and he can do six months, um, you know, in totally different time zones and whatever. Um, it's a hard choice to make, but it's the compromise that we make between my lifestyle and his of like, he has to be somewhere. He can't come visit right now. He can't, you know, whether it's the country that I choose to be in or whatever. Um, so it's just like, it's definitely been a challenge for me to maintain what's important to me and find a way to like, like I said, just kind of compromise between our two lifestyles. Yeah. That, and that's what I find so inter interesting about y'all's relationship is that you're even able to do that. And I think you've highlighted something really important is that, um, when you guys are apart, that is by choice. If it's not deployment related, for example, and there's so much, within this lifestyle that is that can feel inflicted upon us of like, this was not our choice. This is just something that we now have to go through. Um, but I mean, yeah, he met you while you were in transit, while you're mm -hmm. already the nomad that you are. And that's just kind of like woven into your lifestyle. Um, so I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that you guys kind of have like a middle ground when it comes to that stuff. Um, but I am assuming that there are also challenges when it comes to that as well. So I'd love to talk about those. But before we get to that, what was your awareness level of the military before you met him? Mm, that's a good question. So I grew up in Davenport, Iowa, which um, for those in the Army might be familiar with the arsenal. Uh, the Rock Island Arsenal is a military base that's an island in the Mississippi River between Davenport and Rock Island, Illinois. So um, I grew up with a couple of perceptions. First of all, I didn't come from a military family. So there was the, if you're out at bars when you're in college or whatever, like avoid them. They'll love you and leave you was <laughs> one of the things. Oh my goodness. <laughs> We stay away from, there's a couple of grad schools in town and there's the base. And it's like the list of boys that you stay away from is like army guys, grad school guys. Wow. <laughs> That's just kind of what it is. But also it's a lot of the um, officers come to this base. I don't really know much about what goes on there, but um, so it was also kind of like this elite club and like they just stayed on base. Sometimes they sent their kids to the private schools off base, but like not a huge perception. The other one was, um, so there were two of my cousins did end up going into the military and it was like a last resort. It was like they either didn't get into college or one of them had a situation his freshman year where they took away his funding and financially the only thing that it made sense for him to do was go to the military. So that was my relationship kind of growing up. Um, I was very aware of kind of the, um, I would say issues in the minority community of like the different several minority communities of the um, what do they call it the preschool to prison pipeline and how that's very interwoven with also like going into the military um, and the financial kind of pushes towards the military in that respect. Um, also growing up, I mean, I'm 30 now, so I was in fourth grade when 9-11 happened. Um, and there was a lot of resistance to that. Um, so I think it was just, I was raised and then throughout my twenties, just kind of aware of the gaps that the military left for people, um, whether that be someone, um, you know, you have all these remembrance things or like at our football games, it was like the 
guy comes home and visits his family and it's up on the screen, you know, in those big emotional videos. So it's like the gaps that it left in kids' lives, in spouses' lives, um, the financial gaps that it leaves for people. Like it was just a very conflicted view of what the military meant um, and what that meant on an interpersonal level for people. Yeah, absolutely. And we, so we're about, we're three years apart. So I was in seventh grade when 9-11 happened. And that was also quite the time for the punk rock scene because mm-hmm. any and every band was using both Afghanistan and Iraq as content, as fodder for their music and their expression. And, you know, to grow up during that time and to be so impressionable during that time when there was so much resistance over both of those wars, it was, I mean, I don't know any other way to describe it other than yes, it was very confusing. It was very, it was a conflicted time that didn't, didn't make a lot of sense to me. And so I, I think I kind of looked, I definitely looked outside myself to toward different peer groups to understand what was going on and one of those ways was through music and mm-hmm. that as a lens of understanding. And I feel really bad now because at the time that I was silently protesting these wars, my husband was fighting in them. We just mm-hmm. didn't know each other and didn't know that that was going to be our path. We also have like a six year age gap too. So it was just enough time for him to be to be involved in these things. Um, but isn't that the same for Robert as well? Cause he's, he had been in 14 years before you guys met. Yeah. Yeah. So he would have been, I mean, what in high school or entering high school around nine 11, but yeah, he had done, I mean, before I graduated college, before I graduated high school, maybe he had done several tours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he's never been infantry. And that was also kind of part of my very narrow view of what the military was, was like, um, quite honestly, I have my biases and I'm still working to shed them is that they're all gun-toting Republicans that hate the people over there and across that wall and whatever. So um, it was like, he had already had all of these experiences as like a very authentic person who is a free thinker, who you know, doesn't, he falls into some stereotypes, we all do, but who doesn't just like live up to that, like, oh, they all vote this way and do that. Like, just because they wear the same outfit to work every day doesn't mean they're all the same. <laughs> yeah. No, and I I thought very similarly as well. I think we're, you know, very similar in that way that we just, we made a lot of assumptions and some of those assumptions are fair because some people do fit those molds <laughs> in mm-hmm. the they exist for a reason. <laughs> um, but I was also pleasantly surprised, like the deeper, the more in conversation I got with him in the beginning of our relationship about his role and how he feels about his experiences in both of those wars. I was like, oh shoot, like this is, this is real deep stuff that I just, I never knew about. I never knew that even soldiers who are fighting in these, in these situations or assisting in them in some way also had conflicted relationships with Mm -hmm. and what the task at hand was. Um, That is not, that is something that completely escaped my awareness level. And part of it was because of my age and I just wanted to see what I wanted to see. And the other part is just like, that's not what was on display. That's, that's not actually what was being talked about. And if you weren't raised in a military family or didn't already have those connections to military life, it's even harder to break that barrier in a way and to understand what it is that people are going through. Mm -hmm. It totally is. It totally is. And it's like I said, it's still something that I really struggle with is like letting go of those, those things, those ideas and like just being a little bit closer to it gives me more tolerance, but I'm still just frustrated with then like something else. If it's not one thing, it's something else. It's like, you know, I live in this online business owner world where like we talk about company culture and taking time for yourself and self-care. And I'm like, you don't even make overtime when you put in a 60 hour week And, you know, so if it's like, if it's not on the macro scale of like what's going on, you know, quote unquote over there, um, 
wherever there may be, it's like, what's going on on a day-to-day level? And it's just, um, I mean, I just keep thinking of things of like, what were my perceptions before? And it's like the high trigger warning here, but like the high suicide rates, the high rates of depression, the high rates of spousal abuse, like the other things that you hear that come out of these like very high stress jobs, high stress situations. And I can acknowledge now that like my view was very narrow of like, well, the punk rock band says that war is bad and I think war is bad. So therefore like all of y'all might be bad too. Yeah. Um, It's easy to like lump it all together and it's so much more complicated than that. (laughs) There's so much to it, so much to it. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's one of the larger, largest employers. And yeah, so there's, there's a lot of jobs that go into it. It's not just the saving private Ryan's. Great reference. Oh my goodness. I've actually know. never seen that movie. It's just the first war movie oh, that came to mind. I've never seen it. Oh, it's even, that's even funnier, the fact that you've never seen it. Uh, but it is like, it does kind of speak to, to how if we don't have that awareness level of military life prior to meeting our service members, like we are using things like pop culture to inform mm-hmm our opinions and you know we've talked about like the punk rock scene being one of those but like even a movie like saving private ryan where it's it's based on something that's true mm-hmm. <laughs> like true events but it's like obviously dramatized but also if you watch movies like that with your soldier uh they're gonna tell you like exactly what is real what is on par and what is probably dramatized which is always so fascinating because if you don't have them sitting next to you you develop all that on your own you're just kind of like oh this probably isn't real that's probably fake but yeah you'll be sitting there and it's always the thing that you don't think is accurate that they're like oh no that's true that's Mm -hmm. true so off base that it it just must be true (laughs) yeah yeah those things are wild and that's something that um before I didn't really pay much attention to the social media and people love to run in one direction or another all of a sudden everyone um you know two months ago when I was in South Africa he was informed that he was likely going to be flying to Ukraine um and you know then you've got all of these people who have nothing to do with anything they they're just reposting something that resonated with them and it's like It's so interesting to me as far as what you said with pop culture that all of a sudden being close to it, I have to put my phone away. I am not emotionally ready to handle other people's thoughts, opinions, whatever. And it's like, I want to be able to ask, like, can you just not share this for a while? But that's not my place to do it. And at one point, I've probably been that person sharing pro this, anti that um, in a way that is just really freaking stressful and it's like I don't I've never watched war movies so I'm not going to start now um but also like participating in the rhetoric of just like running in one direction or another and it's like yeah you want to have this bad man in Russia stopped but also what does it take to have that happen and like do you really know what you're getting into I don't but I don't want to find out either yeah yeah and it's such an interesting like uh shift to make because this is not a community that we envisioned being a part of Mm -hmm. now we're in it and so just like you said our viewpoint becomes drastic in comparison to what it was before and feeling certain sensitivities over topics that we didn't like envision we ever would (laughs) like i was you know if i had been on social media or if social media was as prominent back then during like the beginning of the Iraqi war, for example, like, oh man, I probably would have been really loud and proud about my viewpoints about it. And not knowing that like my future husband is, has, was deployed there twice and almost lost his life countless times. Like those Mm -hmm. are not things that you know, but then when they kind of come full circle, it, it does change everything. you it's like ah i'm still trying to like just like you said before like you're still trying to shed certain biases and like you know letting go of different stereotypes and things um and it's not like an overnight process at all but there's change happening (laughs) totally and i think it's important too to like 
I have always thought, and I've said this to you before with like all of the no offense asterisks, but like, I've always thought it's really freaking weird when people's lives revolve around their spouse's careers. Um, you know, I'm from the Midwest. And so you'll see like, I love my linemen or whatever. And there's the whole show army wives. And it's like, I have a whole life. I had 28 years of life and experience and, you know, what a decade of building my own career and whatever before him. So like, I love the crap out of that man. I don't love his career. I'll be straight up honest. I don't love that it pulls him away um, you know, like I said, sometimes 60 hours a week. I don't like that it stresses him out. I want to see him happy. Um, you know, the greater mission of his career is not necessarily something that he's super attached to. And I think that's part of why we get along so well is like, he doesn't want me wearing, he, he's never going to ask me to wear the, like, I love my service member t-shirt. Like that just doesn't resonate. <laughs> Yeah, he's there. He's there for the planes. He's there for the next four years. He's there for, you know, his own personal reasons. Um, and like, I, I, it, it's not that I don't associate with being a military significant other. It's that I am so much more into like him and I and our relationship than I am what our relationship might mean in the eyes of the government. Yeah. And I was right there. I was right there for a long time. And I think, well, clearly that has shifted because hi, I'm a military spouse mentor. Also <laughs> not something that I saw for myself. Um, so watch out, Sam, it might happen to you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's true. What you're speaking to is not this like centering on any one person's career, really, because I also see you like being a nomad, for example, like that isn't just a career lifestyle choice that you've made. That's also just like woven into the fabric of who you are. It's like a little bit more than wanting the option to work wherever, like from wherever, basically. Yeah. Um, but I think what happens too with, with service members in particular, um, they are taught that what they do is who they are. Those two things are not separated. It is like they are completely mashed together. And it's mm -hmm. really, really hard to hear that over and over and over again, because we've never had an experience where that's actually been true. Like mm -hmm. we've come into this having our own career, our own ambitions, our own whatever. And it's always been a little bit separate from who we are as a person. And I think of that very differently now. I think of that as almost a, as weird as this is going to sound. I almost think of it as a privilege <laughs> because mm -hmm. I know that there are so many people out there who um, who have been conditioned differently. There are people out there who have been conditioned differently. And you know, it's again, it's a choice. You and I are here by choice. Like we they say you don't choose who you fall in love with. But at the end of the day, we did understand what we were getting into when we made this decision to live where your spouse, or in my case, my significant other, has to live. Um, and it's I like- think that's all you know, though. Yeah. Like, that's just like the baseline. You, you don't actually know how hard it's going to be, and you don't mm -hmm. actually know what challenges you're going to experience. But at a baseline, you understand that they do not have location freedom and they also don't have time freedom. And those are just two things that you're like, okay, yeah, I get yeah. it or I don't. <laughs> yeah. And like, I've never been big on like making a ton of plans. Like, for example, I told you all the places that I thought I was going to visit in 2020. Um, I didn't have tickets to go to any of those places except for Italy because that was like two weeks ahead of my schedule. But like, you know, it is interesting because, because of the lack of control that we have in our current lifestyle, it's like, okay, you want to go somewhere, we're talking about potentially going to Hawaii in uh, November, and it's like, now I want that control, I want to be able to buy the tickets, but we don't buy tickets that aren't refundable, like, we don't do things like that right now, especially, um, you know, things got spicy in the Middle East last summer, things are you know spicy in eastern europe right now and it's like you know depending on how that relates to his current job and it's like i never thought that it would have more control over that 
over my life um, and my ability to make plans that I wanted to make. Um, I just, I never saw the decisions of my government and other governments coming down to the micro things of like, last summer there was one Thursday where I was working at a cafe in our town and he called he was like hey can I call you I was like yeah for sure we had a wedding coming up that Saturday and I was like oh man he's probably gonna have to work we're gonna cancel our hotel and just go up on Saturday and he was like um hey they asked me to calls me it's like hey they asked me to deploy and I was like oh man that sucks like when he's like leaving Saturday it was Thursday um, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, the way that it worked out is he didn't end up having to go that quickly. Someone else stepped in, but someone did. Yeah. Someone yeah. did. And that could have been, could have been him, could have been us. And it's just, like I said, it's a decision to be here, but it's a decision because I love him, not because of, you know, my allegiance to the U.S. Air Force. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's been one of the things that's been really difficult to, articulate to at least my family and friends who also have little awareness of military lifestyle too because that's all they see really about him they they mm -hmm. saw a few a few um i guess descriptors one that he was an officer in the army two that he was divorced and three that he was a dad like that was all the conversation yeah. was about when we first met and sometimes it still is only about that <laughs> mm -hmm. um but it wasn't it it wasn't about like i was seeking somebody to marry in the military like i just didn't think that that was gonna happen it was like i met him and yes he told me what he did for a living and yes he technically gave me all of these other red flags but like it didn't matter because it came down to like who he was and our connection that we had. And then we just kind of like figured, figured the rest out. But yeah, there, yeah. I guess there are people out there who are looking for people in like specific career fields. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's like kind of that adage of like, ooh, women love a man in uniform. And I'm like, I, I don't know, like what kind? <laughs> what, what does that do for you? <laughs> yeah, are we talking like, you know, and there, there are, you know, certain things. And I think there's the implications of like, because they're really hard workers and whatever, or he actually just explained to me recently. Um, I don't remember what the word was, but it's basically women who are looking for health insurance. So they're like into service members about it. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. I'm a strong, independent woman. I can go to Mexico for my health care. <laughs> No, I'm joking. But like, no, that is a thing that I was just not aware of because of my my own lifestyle. And it's like, or, you know, the young couples, it does make sense. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it doesn't resonate with me, but I can see where it makes sense for people. Um, yeah, well, when they're, when those types of couples are making that decision together, especially where, you know, the uh, future service member has expressed interest in entering the military and it's sort of like a couple's decision or they meet you know while that person is in ROTC the track has already started but you haven't really like left mm -hmm. you haven't like left the station yet you're still <laughs> you're still kind of right. at ground zero in a way so it's it's hard to uh I don't know refute that and to say like oh well no go do something else just mm -hmm. that here or whatever so yeah yeah different different perspectives when it comes to that um but i do remember people being very uh interested and obsessed with like what his ranking was when we first met because that was their awareness of the military and i sounded oh, yeah. stupid i was yeah. like i don't know he's i think he was just promoted to major i'm not really sure and they're like oh oh four and i'm like sure cool is yeah. that what that means <laughs> Yeah, yeah. People still ask me, and I do know his rank now, but it is funny because it's like other, or I'll meet, you know, people here, you know, since I live near an army base and I'll, you know, meet someone. Sorry, I'm in Iowa right now, currently visiting family. So when I say here, it's I meet people here in my hometown um, who, oh, your partner's in the military. Like, what branch? What's their rank? And it's like, 
it it helps people to like with their boxes we all we all have the boxes in our minds and it's like those are the boxes that they put the put other service members in and I'm over here like 16 years that's impressive to me like that's the quantifiable in my mind right right yeah and and Jeremy had been in for 11 years by the time that we met so I was just like he's a career man I don't I don't know like he's not going anywhere like this is what he's doing that's all I can really (laughs) describe Yeah. Yeah. But aside from, you know, not understanding the lingo and the acronyms and like how to trace his career line, for example, because he had been, he's had a prolific career prior to meeting you. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know some of the other challenges that you've experienced as a late career uh, Milso. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I want to touch on that Milso because you're the first person and one of the only ones, but definitely the first to like give me permission to feel connected to the military in that way because there is you know that spouse and mill spouse and I mean there's all these other words and acronyms and things that go into it and I was very much on the outs of of that um and so thank you for that for creating that space I think creating that own my own little acronym (laughs) of course no I think I think it's really important because I I don't mean it in a like a hierarchy type of way. I just know what it was like for the first two years of our relationship unmarried mm-hmm. and what all of the implications of that. And then once we got married, how things changed because then the government finally cares about you and they, mm-hmm. don't, they don't really care about you prior to that. And nobody's advocating for you in that way. So I think it's important to distinguish between the two. So I don't, I hope for any other Milso who is listening to this, this is not a space in which that is a detraction or not enough. It is the opposite. I am like applauding y'all for being in the position that you are right now. And even if you never get married, those kinds of things don't matter to me. It's just yeah i just want you to know that you have a space here so continue with what you're saying (laughs) yeah yeah no it is it's it is very important and it's like i am no less of a legitimate partner to my service member than if the government recognized our partnership differently absolutely Um, in fact i would argue you have a higher level of commitment because technically you can say it's too much i walk away at any time and you're not doing that (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Yeah. Um, and you know, whether or not we do get married, I just really don't want it to be. And I, I would argue this for any type of couple. I don't want it to be my parents' decision. I don't want it to be because I'm pushed by any entity, mm-hmm. including the government. So I, I have, I have a lot of like feelings and thoughts around that, but I mean, other, I, there are challenges within that, in that, like, I can't go on base freely. Um, but I don't necessarily desire to because I have never spent much time on base. So it's not like something that was ever taken away from me. I have my own gym and car and house and grocery store and (laughs) everything that I need off base. Um, I don't at this time need or desire a military passport um, because there's a strong chance he's going to be U.S. based for the rest of his career. So there's a lot that I think could be seen as challenges, um, but really I think it's just my own internal challenges of like what I think that work can be and should be. And then seeing him go through the stressors that he has because of his job and the way that those are like so permeating to his life when I come from this world of like work-life balance and my concept of freedom and then the like colloquial concept of freedom and his concept of freedom and you know the freedom isn't free version of freedom are all so vastly different and i think that's the biggest challenge is like the it's just kind of interesting too to have like opinions on my partner's career because <laughs> he doesn't care about like he cares about my career but he doesn't care about my career but his career dictates if we can go on vacation this summer or not. And not just in a, can he get time off, but like, is he allowed to go to that place? Yeah. And that's just so beyond my, my, like what I can fathom. Yeah. (laughs) That someone would have this outside entity, like 
controlling those types of decisions and essentially like making those decisions for the service member. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then by virtue, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I want to recognize that the location freedom that you had experienced for years and years prior to even meeting him. And then now, you know, you're still finding a way to exercise that freedom and that right that you want for yourself. Um, but then when it comes to, oh, we may not be able to go to vacation dur like during that time or even to that location because someone says no <laughs> for mm -hmm. him, how do you like, how do you handle that? Do you just like find a different place? Do you find something else to focus on or do you like grieve that a little bit or how does it, how does it like manifest in the day-to-day -day life of your guys' relationship? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's always just this sense of trepidation and I hate feeling it. It really tears me up, but like we could make this plan to go to Hawaii in November, but every moment until we get on that plane, I am aware in some part of my body that that could be taken away. That like, we're, it's not we're going to Hawaii in November. It's we're planning on going to Hawaii in November. And like, <laughs> yeah, just constantly setting myself up for that heartbreak. I think there is a little bit of grief in that. And I mean, the last time I left Mexico, because I knew I was going to be leaving Mexico, I was going to be visiting him and then coming back to the Midwest for a few months. And then the plan was to ultimately um, home base out of California, which is what I'm still doing. But it was a really emotional last few days in Mexico. Cause I was like, is this the end of my nomadic journey? Like my company is called nomad copy agency. Like I am a nomad. I am a traveler. I'm not giving that up, but in the way that I was home basing out of places for one to three months at a time previously, it's like, I'm still, you know, I'm currently in Iowa for a month because I have the freedom to be here. A family member needed some help. They like needed extra hands. So I'm able to be here for a month and then I'm able to go be in California for a few months. And then I'll probably go do some fall travels, um, which I did last fall. I saw you on my fall travels. Oh um, yeah, that was in the fall. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And I was away for, you know, six weeks. And then this winter slash spring, I was away, able to be away for a couple months. So I think in that it used to be more linear of I'm in place one, then place two, then place three. It's like, I'm constantly going back to place A. Um, regardless of that place, I'm going back to my person. Yeah. Wherever he is, or like just mm -hmm. thinking about it more than the location, but just him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like that real cheesy, like home is where the heart is. Home is wherever I'm with you. Like you know, if you were Sorry, that's our wedding song, okay? Like, <laughs> is it really? It don't make fun of us. I love that song, and it just makes a lot of sense for a military couple, which I didn't actually didn't pick it for that reason. But then, as time has gone on, I'm like, oh man, you are my home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, like, if you were to take another Germany stage, if I were allowed to, like, I would go be there even if it meant having to like get an apartment in town off base like because mm -hmm. I know stages aren't the same as um whatever where you're living whatever that's called <laughs> um so <laughs> um you know but I mean I'm used to that I'm used to I posted up in Cape Town South Africa and just got an apartment in town because that's where I wanted to be he was in the states but you know it it is when I say like, oh, I'll be going home or whatever, it's like, I'm going back to him. And if that changes, that's where I'll go. Like, I don't have a strong connection to California. Yeah. It's not about the state or the airport that you're flying into. That's just a, a means, <laughs> a means right. end, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Awesome. Um, well, I know that you I, I don't think the answer to this is any, but have you had to make any kind of pivots to your own career as a result of getting into this relationship? Um, I think you're kind of in a unique category in that you were already nomadic. And so even if he were needing to move every two to three years, theoretically, that wouldn't <laughs> that wouldn't hinder your work life. 
but has it hindered like your work life in some way? Not, not in a way that I'd be able to identify. If anything, it's just changed my lifestyle a little bit. But like I said, I still see it as being able to travel and work. And he's been super, super supportive of that because he, I mean, he knows what it's like to have to leave. And for me, it's the pull is not because I have to, it's because in my soul, I have to. So he gets that. So it's a lifestyle change, but um, I mean, he wants to travel and there, he also wants to have a home base when he retires. So there's going to be some compromise in that in the future, but um, you know, I, I, I've chosen to be here and I still feel like very free in my relationship. Amazing. I love that. (laughs) Great. It's great. (laughs) I hope that we can all feel like just as free in our relationships, but um, you guys are definitely like taking the cake in that area. I'm taking pointers. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's like I said, it's a really interesting conversation. Next time you need an interesting conversation starter with your service member, like what does freedom mean to you? Because it, it's totally different. And takes a lot of like context and reflection to find that yeah well and they're probably going to immediately launch into like (laughs) freedom isn't free type type conversation whereas you were thinking like no I meant like personally what Mm -hmm. like on a personal level what does freedom mean to you (laughs) yeah and I mean when your every move is dictated I mean what you can and can't where you can and can't go what you can and can't consume um you know a lot of that is like it's permeating every area of the service member's life. Um, and it's like, but do you see that as a freedom? Do you see that as a parameter? Like, what do you see that as? Um, and I mean, that's a whole other conversation for later on, but then like, what happens when you have all of those freedoms back and what does that look like? And that's, that's a big question. Um, Cause I see my partner as like a very free thinker and stuff, but also, that's a, that's going to be a really interesting transition in a couple of yeah. years. I was yeah. like, what, are, what does more freedom look like? Right. And I think, well, who knows? Cause he changes his mind every other day, but I think that they're going to be retiring around the same time. Mm-hmm. So let's continue chatting about that because just like I hear how I hear a lot of hindsight advice for how to handle deployments. I don't hear a lot of advice related to, oh, we haven't gone through the transition yet. We're leading up to the transition. Like those styles of conversations definitely need to be had and shared because, mm-hmm. I mean, we could go, yeah, that is a different, that's <laughs> like a whole other rabbit hole that we could go down today that maybe we can just come back and talk about a different time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Cause I think there's a lot there. And like, for me, I'll continue working. I'll continue traveling. Like my geography is going to change and like the amount of time that my partner is around (laughs) will change. Um, But like, you know, it's not only theirs to go through either. Right. Right. It is. I mean, yeah, it's a whole, in some cases, an entire family unit that is like transitioning out of that last lifestyle. And I can't, oh my gosh, I can't even believe that we're like, just a few years away from that. Mm-hmm. Sounds scary yeah. and also it really is. exciting. <laughs> it is scary because we we had a conversation recently about like, you know, how do we back backwards plan that? Because it's not just like oh the day happens in four years and then like our Sims character just arrives in a different yeah. part of the country or world. <laughs> processing like a year in advance or something. Well, I think it depends mm-hmm. on, the person, but at least for him, it would be known ahead of time. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we're deciding where we want to be and if that's even in the U.S. or not. I mean, there's so much to take into consideration that I never would have before. Like for me, um, I can get private health care in like over half of the world that is very high quality for like 200 bucks a month. But for him, it's like he just has the VA forever. So, you know, there's all those little goofy things to think about. And it's like, logistics (laughs) like those four years are going to fly by because those four years really start in like a year of starting to plan all of that and like start house hunting and and the planning and the like is this the off-ramp is this not the off-ramp oh my gosh yes I know 
So you'll come back and we'll talk about all that. Yes. Yeah. That'll be our next episode. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, please tell everybody where they can find you online and if you have anything to offer them today. Yeah, for sure. I'll totally self-promote. Um, I'm on Instagram all the time. It's like too much uh, <laughs> at nomad.copy. Um, or at nomadcopyagency.com, I write sales copy and I'd like to think I'm pretty darn good at it. So, um, yes. spoiler <laughs> alert, she's really good at it. <laughs> Jayla Ray and I met in a copy context, so she can vouch. <laughs> yes. I, guys, I hired her. <laughs> yeah, that's how we met. Jayla Ray hired me. We met in an interview and this is how far we've come. Um, <laughs> but a great way to get into my sphere, if you will, is I have a free copy audit. It's at the link in my bio. I'll send it to Jayla Ray so that it ends up in the show notes as well. Um, but I will tell you what's good and what can be improved about your copy so that you can sell more stuff, whatever your stuff is. Yes. And I was a beneficiary of that very copy audit and I can't recommend it enough. So Every military spouse entrepreneur who I know is listening to this, like, this is your girl. This is the person to go to for all your copy needs. And yeah, I really appreciate you being here and just chatting through what your experience has been like. I know y'all haven't been together for that long, but I also know that what hasn't been packed into the last few years of your guys. <laughs> yeah. Things move at like lightning speed and also yeah. and anything is packed into that time. <laughs> yeah, it's only been a couple of years, but in military years, I think we're what, like 80? I'm not sure. I, yeah, I <laughs> Does it work like dog years? Because it should. It definitely should. It should. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Of course. Bye, y'all. These interviews really light up my world, get me jazzed again about what it means to be a late career male spouse and what it means to support other spouses amongst this category. If you could please take a moment to rate and review the podcast in general or give some feedback about this episode in particular, I would appreciate it. And as a further step, please share the Heart of a Mill Spouse podcast with your favorite Mill Spouse friend. Let's get this podcast into the hands of those who could really use the support. As always, I'll be hanging out on Instagram at mill.spouse, and you can find out more information about what it is that I do at jlaray.com. Bye, y'all.